And you're listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard right there, brand new and pretty much the last song ever from the Plimptons from Glasgow, Scotland. Thank you so much for sending me all the amazing music you've created over the years, Plimptons. The Plimptons, if you've been listening to the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, as you're listening right now, you might have heard Christmas songs from the Plimptons. You might have heard songs about Halloween from the Plimptons. 
Plimptons. You might have heard this, songs about songs by the Plimptons. An amazing ensemble of gentlemen. They even expose me to the genius that is Collins' godson. Another band loosely associated with the Plimptons. But the Plimptons have said goodbye. That's one of their last recordings ever. The Plimptons, thank you so much for The Plimptons Are Dead and all the great music you've supplied the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show over the years. I look forward to new music from whatever incarnation you take next. And you are listening, as I mentioned, to the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show. Today on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show, interviews with from Orlando, Florida, XXYYXX. And also an interview with Chili Gonzalez. Chili Gonzalez and XXYYXX on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show to prepare you for XXYYXX. Thought I would play some XXYYXX. Here's XXYYXX with Breeze on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show.
Who are you? Marcel. XXYYXX. Yes. <laughs> XXYYXX. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. Really, really glad to be here. <laughs> Good to meet you via the mic. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I got a gift for you right off the bat. Oh, great. Some R. Some R. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. R. Kelly? You love the Kelly, don't you? I love R. Kelly. Anything he makes. He's crazy, but yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your love of R. Kelly. I guess like I just grew up with my mom like playing all of his like old CDs, like the Chocolate Factory, and I'd get into it. Now I like R&B and like kind of put that in my music and stuff like that. So this is like cool. I don't even have an R. Kelly vinyl, so this is nice. Marcel, a quote. The hardest part is turning off the lights. What is reality? But nothing. Living on the edge of dreams. Jesus Christ. Those are lyrics like, I was in this dumb, like, hardcore band. <laughs> that song is based off a movie called Waking Life. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. What can you tell me about your dumb, what can you tell me about your dumb, hardcore band, Esmeralda? Oh my god, what? <laughs> why do you have this? Uh, this is basically, um... Maybe you can show to people, what do we have here? Alright, this is, uh, he's actually co-owner uh, of the label I'm on, Alex Johnson. He was the bassist, this is the singer... I was a guitarist, he was a guitarist, Dan, Carlos, Josh, he was the drummer. Yeah, we still, uh, we're all friends, but yeah, these are like my only friends in like Central Florida, so that's cool. And what are you doing there exactly in that pose? And what was the name of this band for the people? It was Esmeralda, don't look it up. But I'm doing a classic, you know, almost Carlton-esque kind of pose here, just for the people, you know. <laughs> and we have another quote for you, country lion, redneck... Tiger, right? Yeah, what was that? Oh my god, a side project called Repetitio from like, I was like 14, 13, like recording stuff with my guitar in my room and like using Fruity Loops as like drums. Really, really, really crazy. It was a, just like a MySpace thing. I was like bored with uh, Esmeralda and all that, so yeah. It seems like you have a lot of dark secret bands out there, like Whatever, Young Cult, New York Government. (laughs) Yeah, I do. That's oh my god. Yeah, I have a I have like six or seven like other projects and aliases. But um, yeah, New York government was a part of like this. But before you know, I changed my name like three times. <laughs> it was Bear Dance before. Yeah. What about Young Cult? That's a uh, I don't know what it is. I was like, why not? You know, like lo-fi kind of surf rockish kind of stuff. Why not try it out? You know. And then whatever. Whatever is pretty much the same thing, except being like on drugs. <laughs> Marcel XXYYXX How did you get into punk? Like your mom and dad were into R. Kelly But how did you get into punk? Uh, when I was like 10 I listened to uh, Dookie by Green Day And then it just like I, My obsession grew from there And then American Idiot came out My heart was broken But yeah I just kind of like grew up Listening to that kind of stuff And it was really really weird Because you know It's kind of random You know listening to R. Kelly And to like Green Day And like punk kind of stuff Well earlier Yeah <laughs> it's kind of random how it all works, but, you know, piece me together. XXYYXX, you're quite a lot into music, aren't you? Because you're a big fan of the Needle Drop, too. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan of the Needle Drop. Anthony's cool, you know? Very, very cool guy. At first, I thought he was, like, mean, but then I realized what music reading kind of is. So, yeah. But, uh, oh, my God, this is all so crazy. <laughs> XXYYXX, I have another quote for you. What is wrong with, quote, generic Rise Records open string bullshit? Basically, if you're on Rise Records, and I don't, oh, God, it's probably bad. But 
I used to think uh, Rise Records is a whole bunch of bands who do nothing but play like open strings, like pretty much like nothing. It creates like a dun 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 whatever kind of sound. Yeah, I was really really like picky and like whatever about music back then. Not really like that anymore, but yeah, I used to think it was like a whole bunch of bullshit <laughs> doing the same thing over and over again because it was like cool or whatever. But what do you know? <laughs> I think it's really cool. R. Kelly, Green Day, The Muffs, but you're also into another gift for you, Warsaw, Joy Division. Oh, my God. How do you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love Joy Division. They're... Oh, my God. Where is this... How do you get this? I haven't even seen it like in like any sort of store I've been into. How did you get into Joy Division, No. How did you go from the hardcore to the Joy Division? Uh, Well, I was into punk. I eventually, you know, heard the words post-punk kind of thrown around, so I checked it out. It's like... Yeah, I like this kind of stuff. And then I got into like weird like twee music. But this is like fucking really, really awesome that you know like <laughs> all of this. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you're XXYYXX. We got to know that. Such a random collection. <laughs> but yeah. Tell me about Duck Duck Goose. Oh, man. They're sick. I have no idea where they're from or anything. But uh, I don't know. They're like really random, like chaotic, like kind of like hardcore-ish like band from somewhere but they're like really really crazy and i was like into them for a super long time i could still listen to it i think it's still having my itunes and everything xx yyxx you're from florida right yes central florida have you been to the harry potter world at all uh i think i have like forever ago i'm not really into harry potter though i don't know why like i was always alienated you were like what you don't like harry potter you don't read the books but yeah all those theme parks, though. Disney World. Do you know there's a jail at Disney World? Tell me about the jail at Disney World. Have you been to the jail? The jail? There actually is a jail at Disney World. A real jail. A real jail to put people in. Why Disney World? Just because they need a jail in case things go wrong. Oh. Like, what are your Disney World memories? Uh, oh, I actually pulled someone's hair a long time ago going down like a roller coaster. I thought it was like my seat, but I ended up like, yanking this random woman's hair for like five minutes. Pretty bad. Pretty bad impression on her. <laughs> Too bad you weren't taping that. That would have been a great sample. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Screams. <laughs> How about at Universal? Have you been on the E.T. ride at all? Uh, I don't remember. Wait, doesn't it smell funny? I think I did like a long time ago. Yeah, I haven't been in a really long time. <laughs> Why would it smell funny? I have no clue. That's a really good question. All the people puking? Probably. <laughs> Something like that. How about Legoland? Have you snuck into Legoland at all or any of those places? I've never been. Splendid China? I don't remember. I don't think I've been to any of those places. I've been to like Harry Potter World and I've done like the Hulk, you know, those like main roller coasters, but like I haven't like done much. How about Holy Land theme park? Oh my god. I went like, actually, I used to go to a Christian school, like pre K to like grade three. Yeah, we went to field trips like annually there. It was very, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. What's it like there, though? Could you explain a bit more about it? The Holy Land experience. Very holy. Uh, <laughs> there's a... It's really medieval looking, actually. But I haven't been in like... It's a Jesus theme park, essentially, right? Pretty much. As bizarre as that sounds. Jesus theme park. <laughs> XX, YYXX, have another gift for you. What can you tell the people about TLC No Scrubs? Oh, man. Uh, I have a song called Good Enough. And I was like, you know what? Why not? And I uh, kind of pretty much like remixed No Scrubs and sampled it. And now here it is. This is obviously like the jam, you know, like obviously. <laughs> so, wow. From Joy Division to TLC. How did that happen? 
I think it was the other way around. And then it's just all like intermingling now, like all my weird, like fan whatever records. Yeah, it's kind of random. <laughs> XXYYXX on the song Metals, there is a refrain Sunday, chain me down. Yes, that's in a Iron and Wine sample, I think. Yeah, I think it's a dream. I heard it was from that movie Corvette Summer. Was it from the movie Corvette Summer? Uh, no. No, I don't know what that is. I don't know anything. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. What are your favorite misheard samples? I think it's from Corvette Summer. What have people thought some of your stuff is from? Oh, a lot of my stuff, like the About You song, people think I sampled Jay-Z, and like some people think I sampled like orchestras and like other songs, and I don't know how, like opera singers, but I don't know where you get that from. But yeah, like really off-the-wall guesses sometimes, though, so... I guess it's cool to have, like, a weird, like, no one really knows who I sampled. Well, it's kind of obvious sometimes, but, yeah. XXYYXX, the About You video. Have you met the girls in it? Who are the girls? I don't know. I get that question all the time. Don't ask me. Jeff asked me the video. I don't know. I think they're his friends. He just, like, knows models or something because like, people do that, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of them, but I think it's great they're in that video. Like, that video did so much for me. Like, so much. Like, I'm here because of it, probably. <laughs> XX, YYXX, have you been to the celebration part of Orlando? No, have you? No, what is it? Could you explain to people, celebration created by Disney? Celebration? Like, the city? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was really, really uh, empty and country-ish. Yeah, could you describe it, please? It's a neat part of Orlando, isn't it? Celebration. Uh, probably not. There aren't really neat parts of Orlando, to be honest. I mean, unless you like theme parks, then yeah, go to Celebration, Disney World. But other than that, like, it's pretty, pretty boring, really. Have you ever ventured to Casadega, Florida at all? No, I don't think so. There's a lot of psychics there. Are you into psychics? Apparently it's got more psychics than anywhere in the world. Seriously? (laughs) No, yeah, I'm really into that kind of stuff. XXYYXX, have you ever been to Junior's Diner at all? Uh, in Brooklyn? No, in Orlando, right beside Park Avenue Records. I believe so. A lot, yeah. I go to Park Ave all the time. Go there and um, Stardust, definitely. Really, really good food in that area. And Park Avenue is kind of interesting because they have like dolls and they have cookbooks. What can you tell people about Park Avenue Records in Orlando? Oh man, well, I got some friends that work there. You know, Alex, well, both of them are Alex's. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a record store, but they also have like really cool books. They have a uh, like a Japanese import section now. That's cool. They have a uh, cool magazines, shirts, weird candies, drinks. It's really really awesome. They have like every record though. Sweet. How about Bananas Diner or Taco China? Have you heard of those places? Oh, Taco China is so sick. Yeah, I've only been once, but oh man, now I'm hungry. <laughs> How about Stardust Video and Coffee? Yep, right across the street from Park Ave. Uh, really really cool stuff. I actually started playing like some of my first shows there. Really, really, uh, it was small, but like intimate, kind of like cool lighting. Yeah, it's a really, really rad place. How about the Brisket Bus or Lazy Moon Pizza? Any of those places in Orlando ring a bell at all? XXYYXX. Sadly, yes, I hear about Lazy Moon all the time. All my best friends go, but I've never been. It's supposed to have like the best like food. The biggest oh, pizza in the world, right? Really? Well, the biggest slices, apparently. I gotta check that out, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the late bus, I guess. XXYYXX, where was the Breeze video filmed? The video? Oh, someone made a video for that. I think it was a, I have no clue. I saw it. It was, looks like a, a kitchen in some part, like a, like a diner. 
I think you're like in some mall or something, and there's like Rihanna perfume happening. Oh my god, that video! Oh jeez, I have like a series of like kind of old videos where me and my friends like brought like a flip camera and we just went around the mall like forever ago, just recording stuff. My friend uh, Dylan likes to, he loves Rihanna, so he, why not? You know, test out the perfume. You know, <laughs> see how it is. I think that was the intro video. I think you call it intro or something. Yeah, it's from my first release. Very, very weird, like old stuff. No one really knows that much about, but of course you do. <laughs> and the Breeze video, though, I think that's at a diner, though, isn't it? And how did you film that? I didn't. Some guy filmed it and uh, showed it to me on Tumblr or something. And I was like, whoa, all these people are making these really cool videos. I really, really appreciate it. Whoever, whoever you are, thank you. For supporting and all that stuff. <laughs> now, malls in Orlando, is there a mall where you can play blacklight mini golf? That sounds like something would be in like the Millennium Mall, the Florida Mall, definitely. Like one of those massive, like huge malls. Yeah. Never really hit up those spots that much, though. Usually in like Altamont, whatever, quiet areas, sort of. XX, YYXX, another person that's important to you. This right here, Monica with. <sighs> Miss Yellett. Oh, and Dirtbag, too. Uh, yeah, get it off. That's turned into? Set it off, which is literally, this is the, this is like the release I had that I sampled it from. Wow. This is really, really awesome because I don't have that record anymore. It was actually my friend Jared's. Thank you. Wow. Of like instrumentals too. Oh, sick. It's got the acapellas. Oh, yeah. Also, it has Dirtbag on there. Dirtbag. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was a pretty good rapper back then, right? And I think it's time you sampled some dirtbag there, XXYYXX, or some dirtbag for you. Violator. The Violator record label. Oh, Fat Joe? I didn't know he made a track with Fat Joe. He's down with it. Have you got a chance to meet the Monica at all with all your <clears throat> samplings? Oh, no. If I do, it's probably, you know, I'll be wearing a suit in court. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, I haven't. But hopefully, you know, someday I can meet these people. Jeez. Especially Fat Joe. Lean with it. <laughs> the, the Tied to You video, was that done by a fan too? Uh, No. It was literally uh, something me and my friends thought of. Actually, I thought of it by myself in my room as a joke. I was really, really tired. And I saw these videos of, like, these frat guys, like, in the 90s, like, smoking these huge, like, obnoxiously sized, like, joints. And I was like, all right. Mesh it all together. Some weird, like, old, like, film and... What what Bone Thugs in Harmony or something in that vid? Bone Thugs? Seriously? <laughs> sure it was. I didn't even notice. I thought it was clips from a Bone Thugs in Harmony video. Yeah, those are some pretty hardcore frat boys, I guess, or something. <laughs> XX, YY, XX, what's it like playing in a club as a 16 or 17-year-old now? What's it like playing in a club? Like the Back Booth or Will's Pub? <laughs> back Booth and Will's Pub. Those are, like, the pretty much the main places I go. Uh, it's always cool when I'm doing it at home because, you know, I know everyone who works there and stuff like that. I get to stay, you know, and most of the shows aren't really like uh, 18 and up, so I'm allowed to actually be there. But a lot of clubs outside of home, I have to uh, be in the green room most of the time. Like I was in SF and I played with Mount Kimby, but I couldn't even see them because I was underage. I was 21 and up. But yeah, it's usually like that, but it's cool. What was it like playing Zombie Oktoberfest? It was fun, but horrid. That was my first show. It was so bad. Very, very bad. What makes a bad show, and why was it bad? Well, basically, I had no idea how to, you know, turn my music into, like, a live thing. And I was using FL Studio at the time, and you can't, like, there was no, like, performance mode for that at all. So I was just basically doing only, like, live glitching for, like, half an hour, and 
last track. I had a really bad laptop. The last track, my computer crapped out, and I was like, I had to announce that I had to play the last track on iTunes. I was like, it's 45 seconds long, you know. It happens. Really, really embarrassing, but first show. <laughs> so do zombies give you bad vibes now? Festivals give me bad vibes now, yeah. Don't want that to happen again. Have you ever been to Treasures and Artifacts in Longwood at all, Florida? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, what is that? It's just like a cool collectible store, because you're into the Pulp Fiction. I was wondering if you're into the collectibles, like going into the collectible stores. Oh, whoa. They have like Pulp Fiction stuff? Probably, you know. They just have neat memorabilia type things. Yeah, I'd, I'd go to something like that, definitely. I love Pulp Fiction. That's like one of my favorite movies. It is one of my favorite movie, actually. <laughs> XX, YYXX, I'd like to add to the occasion and tell you about, and you tell me about, the Brothers Johnson. Oh, my. <laughs> Jeez, does this have a... Uh... It doesn't have letter 23 on it, but I think you did some letter 23-ing. Yeah, from these guys. Wow, this is amazing. My grandmother's even going to freak out about this. Um, yeah, basically... Uh... Like I said, you know, listening to a lot of music with my mom and grandmother growing up and stuff. I listened to, like, a lot of soul because of her and funky stuff. I got into this and, like, sampled it. And so that was in her collection then? Uh, I don't think so, but if she saw this, she'd be pretty jealous. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Because was like Michael Jackson's backup band, essentially, the Brothers Johnson. Pretty much. I mean, they did a lot of really cool stuff. Like, they're really great. And it can be heard on your track. Letter 23. <laughs> By XX? Why, why? XX in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes. And XX, why, why, XX? What do you think about Jake from Salem's rapping? Oh, Jack Donahue? I love, I love him. He's like, I want to meet him. I messaged him on Facebook and he didn't respond because I'm a random person. But that happens. <laughs> I was like, hey. But yeah, he's a, I love Salem so much. A lot of people hate on him, but, you know, they're great, in my opinion, like, the whole thing is like, you know, stuff I'm into. Really, really crazy, cool stuff. XX, YYXX, Orlando. Do you know MC Rection at all from Orlando? MC Rection? MC Rection? No, I need, to, I need to know about this guy, though, apparently. MC Rection? <laughs> MC Rection from Orlando. Clever, clever. Yeah. XX, YYXX, here you are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes, I am. First time in my life. What is Teen Days, your label mate, told you about Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? Uh, I haven't even, I didn't really know much about Vancouver, actually, except, you know, Nardwar interviews, and now here it is. But, um, yeah, I didn't know much about it. I knew it was like, uh, you know, a lot of rain and stuff like that, but I really, really love it. Like, I've always wanted to visit this area and also like Seattle and stuff like that, check it out. So, you know. Well, it's kind of psychic, actually, because Teen Days is a song called Cultus Lake, you know, lake, rain, that sort of thing. And I was also thinking, in Vancouver, we filmed, Vancouver filmed, Freddy vs. Jason. Freddy vs. Jason was filmed here. That was here? <laughs> Freddy vs. Jason. Well, wow, it's crazy. And you love the rapper, Michael Myers. Yes, there's this guy named Mike Myers, Michael Myers. He's a rapper, and uh, yeah, check him out. Bandcamp, all that stuff, you know, like, he's really, really cool. He's uh, I actually never made a hip-hop track. Until I made one with him. And, uh, yeah, we both, like, watch each other grew from, like, a small group called, like, Sewage a long time ago on the internet. Yeah, really cool dude. Well, that's awesome it was filmed here. I had no idea. Freddy versus Jason. Vancouver. Versus XX. Why, why? XX. That's so fun. <laughs> What's interesting about that is guys in Vancouver had fun with that, too, even before you started your band. Oh, they did? Yeah, they wanted to be at the end of the phone book, so they changed their name to Zizzyton. Seriously? Yeah, so that they could just say to people, hey man, if you're drunk, you can always find our number because we're at the... 
Zizzy Town. Yeah, we're at the end of the phone book. We have like the last name in the phone book. That's a pretty cool name. It's futuristic sounding, you know. Yeah, Zizzy Town. Close to Zizzy Top. XXYYXX Usher. Amazing. You did some remixing of Usher? Yeah, there's a, like a, I forgot the name, something with an I, Indaba remix contest. I did a Climax uh, remix. Yeah, like working with his vocals are obviously good. He's Usher, so <laughs> be like, you know, into him, obviously growing up in R. Kelly. Yeah, also a great inspiration. And I thought to prepare you for going on tour with Usher, because you will be, here's an, uh, here's an Usher tour program for you to check out. Oh, sick. Where, where is this from? It's from his last tour, a 2010 tour. What is this? <laughs> this is wild. That's Usher, though. Like, That's what you're going to expect when you open for Usher. Wow. hope she's going to be all right. It's pretty close fire. <laughs> Bam, boom. Yeah, boom. Kaboom. All that. So X- Jesus. <laughs> yes, that is a gun. Wow. So XXYYXX, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, Yes. Canada's awesome. Go. Uh, Relief and Abstract, you know, all my best friends are on it. Check it out. Really great stuff. If you make music, don't ever not try to make music, even though if you feel like giving up, you know, it's not worth it. Trust me. Don't ever do that. Especially for you, whatever you want to do, anyone, just like keep doing it and eventually you'll get what you want. Yeah. (laughs) And this is also amazing. So why should people care about XXYYXX? Just like something I love doing if you want to support it. Like that's really, 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 really awesome. It's like my dream. So it's pretty good reason, I guess. Well, thanks so much, XXYYXX. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show. And you just heard right there, XXYYXX with About You. Coming up, gonna play some stuff by Sylvester. Actually, a track by Sylvester. I need somebody to love tonight. And then an interview with, coming up in a little while, Chili Gonzalez. But right now, here's Sylvester with I Need Somebody to Love Tonight on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Thank you. 
to do me wrong come and love your daddy all night long honey that's all right baby that's all right see the lady with the dress on she can shake her tail better she does it all night long honey that's all right baby that's all right when you see me in misery i must be in Mississippi now, but that's all right, baby, that's all right. Tell your mama and your pa, she's gonna have a color son-in-law. But that's okay, baby, that's all right. Oh, tell me what I say, say. baby, what I say. Hey, baby, tell me what did I say now, baby, what I say, baby, what I say. Here we go now, oh, 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 baby, please, come on, please, that's all right, hey, baby, cause I feel all right, and I feel all right, and I feel all right, once again, now, Mary, Mary, please, come on, why not? I feel all right, and I feel all right, and I feel all right. But can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? I need a witness. I need a witness. I need a witness. I need a witness. We like bread and butter. We like toast and jam. What my baby needs me, cause I'm a loving man. We like bread and butter, and we like toast and jam. What my baby needs me, and I'm a loving man. Hold it, suck it to me. Oh, 
my knee And a little bit of pretty one I'd like you to know Love it, I'm the lovely one I've been watching you grow He runs to the tree down all the day long Singing that song The birds on Jaybird Street The robin go tweet, tweet, tweet Rockin' Robin Rockin' Robin I said, oh, Rockin' Robin And I'm really gonna rock tonight One more time The wild old owl, the big black crow Go, bird, go Every chickadee Rockin' Robin Rockin' Robin I said, oh, Rockin' Robin And I'm really gonna rock tonight One, two, three Look at Mr. Lee, three, four, five. Look at him, John, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Everybody, one, two, three. Look at Mr. Lee, three, four, five. Look at him, John, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Oh, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. In Detroit, they don't love me. But anyhow, that's how I feel. While I feel, call me something Italian. Something for real. Real Italian. That's a lot better.
Still listening to the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there Donna Lynn with Java Jones. And before that, from Zounds, what Zounds? Dan Elliott and his big band with Will You Still Be Mine? And before that, the Checkmates Limited with their medley. And before that, some Sylvester. I need somebody to love tonight. And before that, XXYYXX with about you. And before that, an interview with XXYYXX. And before that, XXYYXX Breeze. And before that, the last song ever from the Plimptons. The Plimptons are dead. Coming up, an interview with Chili Gonzalez. But before we get to Chili Gonzalez and an Ardwarda Human Serviette radio show, here's some more stuff from, or a track from, Zounds. What Zounds? Dan Elliott and his big band with I didn't know what time it was on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show.
attention. A verbal gonorrhea, blah, blah, blah. Now that's onomatopoeia. It's like hearing my dad rap, abstract, like porn with a laugh track. Call me claptrap, I compose presidential suites, piano keys are half black. I put it on paper, diary of a madman, Don Draper. Got the mind of a record breaker and the grind of a pepper shaker. Cringe now, you'll respect me later. I'm annoying but essential, slow elevator. Still less annoying than John Mayer. Old like the LP, long player. I could play a whole set with one hand solo, call me Boba Fett. The other hand rolling up a jazz cigarette. And no, I haven't said the N word yet. It's me versus me, music is cheap, man, that's my currency. Living in strange lands, hoping that the beans will change hands. Another loss of the phone's ringing. I'm like a gay jazz musician, I come out swinging. Can't stand the sound of my own singing. So I'm lip syncing. My brain's fucked cause my dick is thinking. My brain's fucked cause my dick is thinking. So keep clapping, I'll keep sweating. A big fat show like a Greek wedding. Always gone, never gone. Hyperactive, can't relax. Think about death and taxes. They call me chilly cause I got speed, these synapses. Gonzalez, and I'm thrilled to be here talking to you, the human serviette. You know, I've referred to myself as the musical maxi pad on more than one occasion, and uh, that gives us some common ground. Baboom, Chili, welcome to the Nardwarda Human Serviette radio show. I'm thrilled to be here, as and, I said uh, previously. And can I call you Gonzo? Because some people call you Gonzo. For the people that don't know who you are, could you please explain Chili Gonzalez, Gonzo, maxi pad? Uh, musical maxi pad. It, it's a metaphor. It's it's not nothing literal. Um, I am an entertainer. Uh, I'm a mostly a piano player, but I, I dabble in other things, rapping and uh, extreme entertainment. I would say, and I'm I'm a man of my time. And what can you tell the people about the track we just heard there, Bongo Monologue? Well, that was uh, uh, from my album, The Unspeakable Chili Gonzalez, which was a uh, um, a way to make rap. You know, I'm a rap amateur, but I'm a musical genius. And, um, and I wanted to make rap that was befitting a musical genius, you know? So I, it's a very dramatic, uh, orchestrated, a little bit of a Bond soundtrack feel to it. And I thought that epic scope, without any beats, was the kind of rap that a, an amateur of rap like myself should make. And Chili, is it true that you once had a job writing show tunes for the Alberta government? 
That is true. In, in Kananaskis country, I was writing music for environmental education programs. So I would write like the squirrel blues, the orchid uh, sad ballad, uh, things like that. People would come with information sheets about um, behavior of animals or like conservation tactics. Uh, not not to feed the bears, that kind of thing. And I would kind of have to pick a musical genre. And I wrote something like, you know, 100 songs a summer for a solid four or five summers. That's where I really learned how to become a made-to-order entertainer, I think. Now, where can we hear these? I'd love to see these released. Are they out there for us to hear? They are not. This was re- this was back in the '90s. You know, I'm 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 not a young man, and uh, that was my summer job when I was just a teenager. And uh, I think that's pretty much lost to the pre-internet era, and that might be a good thing. You didn't keep any on cassettes, like as backups, because that's an amazing catalog. It is an amazing catalog, but I guess you'd have to go through a lot of government red tape to get them. You know, it would involve a freedom of information request, and I think most of it's classified, to be honest, not war. I'd love to do a freedom of information request for those. That would be awesome. For the Alberta, what was the exact department you were in then? Department of it Environment? It was the Kananaskis country. Um, I guess it would have been the... Oh, I don't even remember. It was it, it was the Kananaskis country. We were called interpreters, historical interpreters. And the guy who was the boss there, um, who is now, I think, pretty much based in Vancouver, actually, a guy called Scott Mayer, and he, he basically decided to get a bunch of real drama, kind of arty people, to sort of, you know, give a kick in the ass to what was normally just holding a skull and telling a story. And so we, we kind of made these, like, little mini Broadway musicals that we'd perform in the actual campsites. Did any of the other people involved go on to any other musical career such as yourself? I don't know. Uh, that, that would take a, 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 an exceptional researcher, perhaps such as yourself, to find out. Government seems to run deep in your family, like your dad made like roads through the Himalayas? <laughs> well, you know, I, I come from a, from a long line of ambitious... Uh, hustlers, let's say. You know, my dad uh, came from Hungary, and one of the reasons I love rap, by the way, is because rappers remind me of my dad. You know, this idea of kind of getting a sort of capitalist revenge fantasy enacted by, by becoming successful, I think, was a huge inspiration to me. And I saw that reflected in the rappers when, I, when rap first came out, and I was like, this is for me. However, your dad, though, back to your dad for a second, he made airports in Prague, too? Yeah, he did. He does what's called public-private partnerships. So he just kind of hooked up with some governments and uh, built various things in conjunction with them. Um, like a grain silo in Quito, Ecuador, was I think one of his last big projects. How did your dad get Drake's phone number? Like I know they're in the same building, but how easy is it to get somebody else's phone number in the same building? Was it pretty easy? Well, he, he, you know, maybe we should backtrack a little bit because Drake, you know, pilfered a song of mine from Solo Piano One and put it on his So Far Gone mixtape. And, uh, and then I heard that his management was at my live show in Toronto. And so I realized I was on the Drake radar and I really wanted to find out where that would lead, you know, being such a big rap fan and never having the chance to work with a, with a real NBA level rapper. And, um, and then, of course, came this moment where um, my dad told me, yeah, there's, there's a big rapper living in the building. What's his name, honey? Duke. And I said, oh, it must be Drake, you know. And uh, he called down. And um, now, how and, hard is it to call down? That's what I'm curious. Like, how hard is it to get to Drake? You know, if you're in the well, same apartment. I, I think because there's there's a security guard in the building. You know, it, it's a pretty high end uh, building for nouveau riche people. And so, uh, you know, the the idea was that the security guard trusts that my dad is not going to abuse that particularly. And in fact, when Drake answered the phone, he was assuming it was someone asking him to keep the noise down, which I guess was a recurring problem for him in that building. 
um, because I think he's the only rapper who lives in that building. It's more probably guys like my dad who live there. And so my dad right away had to correct, you know, and say, no, 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 I'm not calling about the noise. I'm calling because my son is Chili Gonzalez. And, um, and I happened to be visiting my dad that day. And uh, and he had told me this, and I said, okay, call down, you know. And then Drake came up with his manager, who had just seen me play in Toronto previously. And um, and it was great. He was a very, very charming guy. Um, I think you've probably met him. You know, he's got that Bill Clinton-level charisma, I would say. And that led to us doing some great work together. I accompanied him uh, when he hosted the Junos. And uh, I co-wrote some songs with him on Take Care, and I've been in the studio with him a little bit this year as well for his uh, for his next album. So that's been a that just expedited the process, which maybe would have taken several more decades to actually consummate. Who was the person though from his team that actually found your music? Was it Drake himself, or was it his manager? Was it his friend Noah E. You know, Forty, the producer? No, it's it's actually a guy called Oliver who runs the October's very own uh, uh, website, and is kind of like his branding guy slash manager. Um, and he heard solo piano on a jazz radio station in Canada and uh, brought it to Drake's attention. And, uh, you know, when Drake used my track, he didn't sample it or rap on it. He just put it on lock, stock, and barrel. All three minutes of it are there, and there's just the sound of a champagne bottle popping at the beginning of the track. And it's called Outro. He kind of renamed it. And uh, because there's so many, you know, wild Drake fans out there, a lot of people took that as an invitation to make their own track. So if you go on YouTube and you Google Outro Drake, you're going to hear a lot of people, sort of amateur, budding, uh, aspiring R&B singers, they wrote songs on top of my, my solo piano track and uh, you know occasionally butchered it the work that you've done with drake just now when is that going to come out well it's, it's hard to know whether that'll make the cut you know he makes hundreds of songs per album so uh, when i go into the studio i'm mostly there to inspire him with harmony you know i don't know what, what picture people have of, of what it's like to go into the studio with someone like drake it's not like a rap video it's like any music session and i'm there really just kind of noodling away on the keyboards uh, his producer, Noah Forty, who you mentioned briefly, uh, he's there um, kind of putting up some beats, changing the synthesizer sound. And I'm there just to kind of maybe provide some chords and some, some sort of harmonic inspiration for him, I think. It's not like we're sitting there writing a song together. He's kind of in the corner, not so much with a notebook as he is a bit mumbling to himself in that kind of autistic way that rappers have, like Jay-Z. Uh, like you can see in the Jay-Z documentary, it's a little bit similar to that. And I never really know, I just kind of have to feel out whether what I'm doing is, is working or not. I kind of have to look around and sort of take the temperature of the room. And, um, and, and so it's, it's a fascinating process. Chili Gonzalez, people have discovered your music through Feist, through Peaches, through Drake, but also through Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> there we go. How are you connected to Hot Tub Time Machine? Newton Thomas. Well, my brother is a film composer, and he wrote the music for that um, for that uh, movie. And you know, I was in a band called Newton Talks with my brother, a very perfectly '80s named uh, band called Newton Talks, and we wore lab coats. And I played a kind of um, electronic toms. You know, I had two toms, and that was pretty much the extent of what I did. And uh, we had an 80s band. I was 13 years old. Um, we even made some demos with uh, Corey Hart's producer at the time, uh, which didn't lead anywhere. But that was, you know, my, my uh, that's really where I cut my teeth in the music industry. And my brother, kind of on a lark as a bit of a joke, uh, tempted in a, the song we did. It's called The Blind Man. And this is the demo we did that was supposed to have gotten the sign, you know, produced by Corey Hart's producer. And um, he just kind of put it in there as a lark when he was write, writing, the, writing the music. And they ended up keeping it. So when you go to see Hot Top Time Machine, and I don't think you do, 
I don't think many people did. But if they were to do so, um, they would hear me as a 13-year-old playing electronic drums um, on a basically a demo that was done, um, you know, way back in the day. I mean, I remember we went into this studio, and it was the, the beginning of when a sampler existed, and I'd never seen a sampler. And the, the producer of, of, of uh, Corey Hart, he had just done a song for a Canadian group called Arrow, and they had a big hit called Talk Talk. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember that song? No. Okay, went like, talk, talk. That was just like, that was it, you know? It was just like this thing. And I remember he was like showing us the sampler and playing a key and it would go like, talk, 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 you know? And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. There's a voice coming out of the keyboard and, the, and you play the keyboard and the voice comes out, you know? So this was really early on in the 80s and it's just um, kind of on a lark that my brother got that, that song rammed in there onto the soundtrack of Hot Top Time Machine. Newton Talks, and that was Montreal, right? Like Montreal, that's where you were hanging out when you were a teenager, growing up, Montreal, Well, right? no, actually. Actually, we were in Toronto by then. I was born in Montreal, but I also left for Calgary. And then by the time Newton Talks was around, uh, we were already in Toronto. Because I guess what I was curious about is you don't really like ska. And I was thinking, well, what's wrong with ska? Because I was thinking one of the greatest ska bands ever out of Canada was Me Mom and Morgenthaler, who were out of Montreal probably about the same time you were coming up. Do you remember Me Mom and Morgenthaler? I do, but that, that's just, you know, I mean, I, I, it's not that I don't like ska. It's more that I don't like ska. Ah, boom. Uh, how about Rufus Rainwright? Was he around the same time that you were at McGill, like in Montreal? Like, did you ever see him He at was. McGill? We were in a class together briefly for a day, but he left that class. It was some sort of theory class. And, um, and I, he, you know, he, 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 he had that Rufus you know, energy around him already in that moment. And, um, you know, he, co he cut quite an imposing figure, um, despite his size. Um, and, and I remember he kind of came in and he essentially walked out of the class, I think three quarters of the way through, like, this isn't for me style, you know? So already a budding diva, I would say. And, uh, you know, I was like, Oh, who's that guy? And then, you know, many years later, I realized that was uh, capital R Rufus. Have you had any contact with him since then? No, I mean, I know his husband pretty well because we're working on a project together for a, a festival called the Luminato Festival because I, I wrote a kind of operatic project um, around the tennis player John McEnroe that um, we're working on to produce with the festival. And he just recently married a, a German guy called Jorn who runs that festival who I knew from uh, living in Berlin. And so, um, you know, there's, there's now one degree of separation, and uh, I have enormous respect for, for Rufus as a fellow Canadian musical genius. Well, Chili Gonzalez, that's interesting because John McEnroe, he plays guitar. Maybe you can involve him. Maybe, maybe he can play some ska guitar. Ba maybe he can skank on my Baboom, how about the local rabbits? Do you remember them at all from Montreal, the band The Local Rabbits? Oh, very, very vaguely. But, you know, I left Canada because I really didn't feel at home with this whole indie rock scene. You know, I, I, I felt like I had invested so much more, um, you know, humor and as well a uh, kind of conservative respect for the rules of music. And around the time when I was at McGill, most of the bands, it, it was really about eschewing that. You know, the idea was that you were good by accident and it was about attitude and about punk rock. And, and hence my, you know, this taste for ska as well. I just felt really out of place. And that's why I left for Europe, because I thought, well, in Europe, you know, there's much more sophistication. I have a European education in music. And at the same time, um, I, I, I desperately want to put um, my humor into the music. And it just didn't seem possible in, in the milieu of music from that time, you know. And, um, and, and when I left Toronto, I think I changed a lot, too. So by the time I, you know, had a little bit of 
success in Europe, it wasn't really like, ha-ha, I got revenge, screw Canada. It was more like, okay, I wasn't ready, you know. I wasn't ready to, to really say who I really was at that time. And Chili Gonzalez, thank you, new flesh from old. They helped you, didn't they? New flesh from old. They absolutely did, yeah. That's a, a British rap duo who I went to see very early on in uh, in Berlin, and uh, I attempted to kind of rap battle them. You know, that was when I was like, okay, I'm in Europe now. I'm free from a lot of the social stigma of, of what it is to be a rapper. You know, my background, obviously, my dad lives in the same building as Drake. You can imagine I don't have the typical profile of a rapper. And so in Europe, I felt a bit liberated to, to experiment with rapping. And so I, I kind of went up on stage with these guys, and they just trounced me. And I realized, despite being a musical genius, uh, I will always be a rap dilettante. I do it out of love and enthusiasm. Um, and I only do it because the piano gives me that confidence. You know, without the piano... I definitely couldn't rap, and I realized that day. You know, I'm not up for a rap battle with anyone. Uh, a piano battle, however, line up, line up the opponents. Really, I will make mincemeat out of one after the other. But when it comes to rap, I'm just an enthusiast. Chili Gonzalez, has Ben Mink introduced you to Getty Lee at all? He has not. I, I met Ben Mink very, very briefly. We we both co-produced uh, one of Feist's songs without really knowing it. We each were kind of working in the dark without realizing the other was working on it. But um, Now, what happens when him. that happens? Do producers get mad because there's less money to go around? Well, absolutely. I mean, that was the one, two, three, four song. That was the, the Feist's biggest hit. And um, that's a song that, um, for the record, I wouldn't have put on the album. You know, I didn't think that was something that really represented um, my good friend Leslie Feist. Um, so that just goes to show you what a what a anti Midas touch I actually have. You know, if she had listened to me, um, you know, her career would have been a whole a whole lot different. Um, and uh, Ben Mink, one of the reasons I really um, can be jealous of this guy is, you know, he plays violin and he can write his own string parts and play them when he produces a song, which I think is a huge ace in the hole, a massive secret weapon that uh, any producer could be happy to have. What's the closest you've got to Rick Ross? I guess Drake is the one degree of separation, you know. Um, when I was, uh, you know, when I was the first time in the studio with Drake, uh, he was getting texts from Rick Ross. Um, I felt pretty close to, to, to Rosé in that very moment, I must say. You know, I was within texting distance. Drake helped me out. He actually hooked me up with Lil Wayne. So I'm thinking maybe Drake could hook you up with Rick Ross. Wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, that would be incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope that can happen one day. Absolutely. He's a very helpful guy. Thank you, Akira the Dawn. Yes, Akira the Dawn. For those who don't know him, British uh, rapper, blogger, who is responsible for me uh, meeting one of my um, great, great colleagues, Andrew W.K., who I trounced in a piano battle quite happily, um, but uh, with great difficulty. And um, he Forever. was interviewing Andrew W.K. for his, uh, his own blog. He works for a, a great site called The Quietus in England as well and a great rapper in his own right. And he said, I'm interviewing Andrew W.K. Um, do you want to, uh, you know, do, do, do you want to ask him to have a piano battle or something? And, um, and uh, so I, I sent a video, a video challenge to him, which is you know, viewable on YouTube. And Akira the Don showed him this video uh, on the spot with cameras rolling. And so, of course, W.K. had no choice but to accept. Um, that such is the pressure of, you know, being shown a video during an interview. 
And uh, we had a great piano battle and have since uh, collaborated on uh, many, many projects. And um, he's really one of my absolute idols, um, a fantastic entertainer and uh, with the true soul of a musical genius. And people just call it the battle and they know exactly what it is. The battle, the battle. My friend went to the battle, actually, with multiple Emmy Award winner Eric Drysdale. Ah, yes, exactly. Eric Drysdale. Is he, is he from Vancouver? Yes, he is. Ah, yeah, old friend from uh, McGill University, writer on the Colbert Report. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, w- one of the funniest guys uh, I met, if, you, if by, by funny you mean can't tell if he's funny at all, um, deeply funny in that way. And, um, yeah, did he have good, did he re- have good reports well, about the battle? She, well, she said to me, because she accompanied Eric to the battle, she said that people could eat salad during the battle. And then the only other gigs she'd been to where you could eat salad were Wanda Jackson and the dude from the cars. Like, have you heard about that? People were able to eat salad. Do you think people eating salad while you play helps enhance the gig? That's the only thing she said about the battle. Well, really, I'm, I, I, you know, I thought she might have mentioned that I was dressed in, you know, in full, uh, you know, Rocky One uh, regalia. Uh, the fact that I completely obliterated him when he tried to pull out some kind of Jewish-sounding polka stuff, and I said, "Oh no, no, you don't, Andrew W.K. That's not, you know, they don't know, they don't polka in Williamsburg, and uh, you know, and I, I, I had to set him straight, but." All this, all this chick remembers is the salad. No, really. she I remembers. I must not be doing my job. She remembers a lot more. She told me a lot about. I guess all I remembered about the story was the salad. <laughs> I was just totally <laughs> obsessed that there was salad there. She loved the gig. Talked to you guys afterwards. Talked to Andrew WK afterwards. And I recently contacted Andrew WK and I asked him for a message to give to you, Chili Gonzalez. And he says, "Quote: This is a new message to Chili Gonzalez from Andrew WK." And it says, "Quote." I look forward to our rematch. And in the meantime, party hard, Chili. Oh, that's such a surprise. Wow, Andrew WK telling me to party hard. You know, on the video I made, I told him that, you know, that we're not so different after all because he likes to party hard and I hardly party. And that's a great contrast. You know, he's a much more um, straight-up, inclusive entertainer, you know. And I'm, of course, the megalomaniac, arrogant guy. But I think most people know that the, the true soul of someone often goes against what they pretend to be on stage. So what does that say about W.K. and Gonzalez? What I was curious about was the rematch that he mentions. You kind of already had a rematch. Wasn't there something where you helped him out on a couple tunes because you had thrown the necklace at him, causing him to lose the battle, and then you kind of came together and you played some of his tunes, and you've actually got together since the battle? We got together once in a a kind of um, uh, restitution and uh, sort of reckoning based on uh, Akira the Dawn, who kind of had a chance to view the footage of the first battle, in which, yes... I was declared the winner when I threw a gold chain at Andrew W.K. He was forced to defend himself against the incoming chain, thus taking his hands off the piano. I took that opportunity to put in a special cadence, which really sounded like the song had ended, and therefore I had the last word. And in that sense, I won the battle. But later on, Akira the Dawn found that that was perhaps not a truly musical gesture, which I disputed at the time because, you know, I've seen Andrew W.K. cover John Cage's, you know, 433 piece twice in an encore you know so i think he has a a very wildly uh you know uh he has a very diverse idea of what can be constituted as music so i think the throwing of a gold chain is a musical gesture 
Voila. And Akira the Don disagreed. And um, in order to set things right before the rematch, which is, of course, always being put off, I think mostly because Andrew is, you know, scared. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, I was kind of penalized and forced to accompany Andrew uh, at Joe's Pub. Uh, he got to choose all the songs he's always wanted to sing with a great piano player uh, playing behind him. Uh, among them, A Song for You by, what's his name, Leon Russell, later covered by Donny Hathaway, I think. A few songs like that, a Scott Walker song. Um, you know, things, you know, that kind of like pretentious uh, singer-songwriter stuff that he likes. And I was forced to endure that, yes, um, because of some dispute over, you know, musical conceptions. But, you know, the rematch will settle all that once and for all, when and if it happens. And winding up here, Chili, songwriting, feist, Chris Murphy. Chris Murphy of Sloan told me that most hits these days, or most hits in general, are in the minor key. When did you first meet Chris, and do you believe this? I think you do, don't you? Well, I, I believe that... It's, you know, it's, it's not quite easy to say what's in a minor key and what's major. You know, I think uh, Paul McCartney often said that you should write your verses in minor and your choruses in major. If you think of, like, the Black Eyed Peas kind of hit, you know, tonight's going to be a good night, very major in both lyrical sentiment and in terms of uh, actual musical content. But, you know, when you're in a major key, you pass by minor chords. I don't want to get too technical here, but it's, if you really heard a song with only minor chords in it, it would be so dark and wouldn't actually make musical sense. So you always have to tell a harmonic story. So it's more important about where you begin and where you end. You know, you can tell a harmonic story that has ascending chords and you get the feeling that things are getting better we're building up to some resolution that's going to be pleasing and at the last minute you can pull the rug out and go to another minor chord and all of a sudden you have the feeling of wow we almost made it but we're somehow back at the bottom again that's the kind of harmonic story i think that um you hear in a hit song you know a compelling narrative can be told between major and minor but i think chris murphy has oversimplified things by saying that all hit songs are in a minor key you know uh, the ones we can all think of right now uh, tend to be major, especially if they're older songs. A lot of more recent songs, it's hard to say whether they're major or minor at all. You know, you take the average electro, hip-hop, um, kind of raved-out, um, Katy Perry type, whatever that style of music is, modern, you know, pop. Uh, most of it, if you really tried to play it on a piano, there would be a, a huge harmonic hole because you know, major and minor is determined by one note of the chord. It's the third and a lot of the time, the third isn't played at all, and so it's implied. And so it's kind of an open question whether modern music these days is truly major or minor at all. Again, I could be wrong, actually. I'm kind of wrong. Maybe Chris didn't say all hits are in the minor key, and maybe my friend didn't say salad was the only best thing. I get things kind of wrong a bit mixed up there, so please maybe don't take everything I say with oh, I, I, such I, I, urgency. I'm currently emailing Chris Murphy to take him to task for, for this huge musical inaccuracy. It's far too late. And you are Chili Gonzalez, and Chili Gonzalez, when you did stuff, and when you still do stuff with Peaches, I kind of thought of Lisa Suckdog and Costez. Do you remember Costez, who lives in France and is a French version of Gigi Allen? Do you remember Lisa Suckdog? Ooh, very, very vaguely. Again, you know, Peaches, uh, she's got a lock on that whole world, from Gigi Allen uh, to, uh, you know, the, um, the you know, vaginal Cream Davis and all these kinds of people. It's not really my world, so I, it, what you're saying rings a very, very distant bell. Chili Gonzalez, the 27-hour piano solo world record that you did, who had it before you? It was like a guy, Prasanna Goody, and what about it? Like, did anybody, now that you have this award, allow you to challenge? Now you have it, you get challenged. Who had it before you? 
Yeah, Prasanna Gudi had it. it. It's for solo concerts, so it's not specific to the piano. And so Prasanna Gudi played for 26 hours and 12 minutes on a sitar. So just imagine sitting through sitar for, for 26 hours. At the same time, I think sitar music, I believe they're called uh, ragas, um, you know, tend to be very, very long. So he kind of had an advantage because just to play a song on a sitar usually takes like 25 minutes. I was keeping the pop hits coming, my own classics as well. I played some 250 songs in those 27 hours. And, uh, yeah, I have the framed Guinness World Record, um, you know, up on my wall. Very, very proud of that. But I will say that I don't think I could do it today. I wanted to do it. I needed to do it. I needed to change the subject. There was a whole uh, psychodrama going on that I wanted to get away from having jumped the shark on what I'd been doing previously. I needed to kind of remind myself of what, what the main points of being Chili Gonzalez are, competition, musical genius, extreme spectacle. And I wanted to make an event that wasn't about selling an album. Uh, and, and I came up with that idea, and my ego got me through it. But now I feel much more understood and much more like my reputation, my message, all of that is, is, in, is in harmony with where I think it should be. So there's no more frustration, and therefore... I would never even be able to play 27 hours. I mean, it, it just tires me out to think about it these days. Shirley Gonzalez, lastly here, winding up, the BBC Symphony, you did something with them. How mad were they that you did, like, some crowd surfing with the BBC Symphony? I think they were pretty excited. You know, I was playing at the Barbican, a, a venerable concert hall, uh, and had the chance to premiere a piano concerto with the BBC Symphony, play some of my rap songs give some of my music lessons, including major and minor, by the way, which Chris Murphy could use some schooling in. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it's that crazy to crowd surf. You, you know, that, that happens a lot. And I don't think it's that crazy to, to you know, give an orchestra to a kind of crossover artist such as myself. And London loves you, too, because the Sunday Times called you hip-hop's answer to Liberace. Oh, isn't that a wonderful compliment? That is so great. I'm, I'm, you know, considering rappers are often invoking Liberace themselves, I think that's something most, uh, most rappers would be, would be very, very jealous of, including Snoop Dogg's production alter ego, which is N-Word Archie. Chili Gonzalez, we're going to end right here with the song Super Villain Music. What can you tell the people about Super Villain Music? Well, this is also from my unspeakable Chili Gonzalez orchestral rap album, and it's a rap song in waltz time. It's in 3-4, which is pretty rare. There's only a handful of songs I can think of. Uh, the Game has a song called Cherry Kool-Aid. I think Eminem has a song in 6-8. Cameron and the Dipset, they had a few tracks in 6-8, but it's pretty rare. And so I wanted to sort of throw my hat in the ring, again, making rap without beats, uh, and trying to, trying to use the, the dramatic power of the orchestra to sort of compensate for that. And Chili Gonzalez, just quickly here, three quick questions for you. One, the Guinness Book of World Records. Now do you have the world record, do you get challenged for it? Also, were you allowed a break when you did your performance? Have any physiotherapists been mad at you for, like, hunching over? And did you go to the Grammys? I did not go to the Grammys, no. I, I don't go to uh, prize-giving ceremonies when they're not concerned with my work directly, first of all. Um, second of all, yes, I was allowed a five-minute break every hour that Guinness allows you. I could accumulate, so I took a 15-minute break every three hours when we changed the audiences as well. So I did nine consecutive three-hour concerts. Um, I have been challenged numerous times by the Guinness, but uh, no one's actually broken the record, partly because Guinness makes you, you know, pay through the nose and jump through a lot of hoops to really get the record. And how about physiotherapy? Have any physiotherapists been mad at you, you know, for hunch? Because you have an interesting way of playing, or can you avoid not playing that way? Like, has, how do you avoid getting your back hurting? 
We'll see, but my back doesn't hurt for the moment. I figure because I'm so happy and so in my element when I'm playing the piano, that's how it feels good to play. I'm guessing that hopefully that, that really like inoculates me against actually having back pain. I know how it must look, but if people could know how it felt, I think they wouldn't be so worried. Well, thanks so much for phoning in to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, Chili Gonzalez. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Well, as, as, I, as I tweeted five minutes before I called in, this has been a modest Canadian dream coming through for me to speak to you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Chili. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot-doodaloot-doo. Thank you. Music to my ears. Bye-bye. Uh, almost, Chili. Doot-doodaloot-doo. Doot-doo. Talking about how hard he works Come and be a flirt, I'm an expert You can wipe off this smirk If you like rap, well it so happens I'm so ballin' What I mean is between you and me There's a gap, don't fall in What a funny way to approach music I must be stopped You cut your eye on the top I drop to the bottom of the pops Harmony's French, but the melancholy melody's so slavic Whether I rap fast or slow The rap flow's polysyllabic the minute I'm awake, it's a great day to get this cake. Polishing a mixtape, let me fixate on a flow in 6-8. I'm a lot of things, but a left-wing singer-songwriter, I'm not. I'm a lot of things, but a left-wing singer-songwriter, I'm not. Let's smoke all that, yeah, we can hang around like a ball sack. Get higher than the top hat on top of a rather tall chap. A cyborg version of George Gershwin, I'm a Tin Pan fan. Famous in Paris, I'm embarrassed, cause I can't, can't, can't. Never disappoint a crowd, my God. I just play what they want like a jukebox or an iPod. Write a song here, play a show there. I want to tell my dad so there. Now that I got what I want, I'll be honest, I'm so scared. It's all downhill from a spot that you always thought you deserved. It's getting on my nerves everywhere that I go, music nerds. You're out of dumb questions, cause the song has them all answered. You're out of smart questions, cause the song has them all answered. So come and listen to a schmuck talk about a bunch of random stuff. And if you had enough, if you made it this far, call my bluff. I'm light years ahead of all these other entertainers sitting right here. See, I'm not what you think, cause you drink and your breath stinks like beer. Here's a little riddle in the race to the middle, who's mediocre? I'm cult, I wanted culture, I would eat a yogurt. Well, let me show you how to beef, you can even chow down on the whole cow. Got a mouth hole, soul cold like the South Pole, I'm low brown. 